Well, I'm excited to be here quickly about our church, and I don't want to dwell about it because I'm not here to talk about our church, but just to give you a way of, of understanding what's going on. As Clay said, God has favored us because we are having uh, accomplishments and things that are far greater than what we should be able to do in our own strength. But um, we planned the church in April of '04, and it has been a wonderful experience and adventure. Um, matter of fact, next week will be the first week we go to two services. We've outgrown our first service. We have about 140 chairs in our sanctuary. And um, our, our whole church is about the size of your sanctuary. And, and so we have a little office. We have a good-sized kids' room and nurseries. But we cram in 140 chairs in there tight. You know, it's really, you know, sitting shoulder to shoulder. And we've been averaging between 125 and 140. And everybody's doing this, so that means something. Is that better? See, you got to still keep it real. That's all good. Well, I was saying before I was interrupted with, with people helping me preach um, <laughs> that, that our church was doing well. We, we have, on the average, about 125 to 150 people come on Sunday morning. And when you have 140 chairs, that means you're full. And so we're going to two services next week, so I'll get an opportunity to learn to preach twice and a Sunday, so we're looking forward to that. Um, Clay had alluded to something Harriet was involved with. Um, we did a sermon series on dreams. And, you know, I'm just going to tell you that I believe that one of the words of God for this year is that it's okay to dream again. It's okay to dream again. You know, sometimes life gets us, you know, beat up a little bit. Sometimes, you know, we, we lose money in the stock markets. Or our businesses are not thriving, and maybe marriages get shook along the way. Maybe you're going through a life transition. Maybe all the kids are leaving the house and, and you're, you're trying to figure out what it's going to be like. And, and I feel like God has been sharing with us that it's okay to dream again. Because without a dream, the Bible teaches us in Proverbs that without a vision, people perish. And you know you can just replace that word vision if you go into the Greek and look at it. It says dream. And it's okay to dream again. It's, without a dream, we perish. Without a dream, we have no purpose. And so we began teaching about that. And Harriet had a dream in her heart that we were supposed to connect with our city um, in a unique way. And so she had this, this God idea to call up the mayor and say, hey, mayor, we want to meet with you. So she went and met with the mayor about a month ago and had a sit down with him. And her purpose in going was to say to the mayor, we're behind you. We're not coming with something we want. We're not looking for a handout. We're coming to find out what you're involved with, and we want to get behind it and make it happen, help you succeed. Um, you know, to be honest with you, we don't know what he really believes or stands for, what denomination he goes to. None of that really matters, because I can agree with the fact that he's trying to help people that have needs. And so if he's got a way of helping people with that have needs, then we wanted to get behind it. And so she met with him, found out that one of the things that he wants to accomplish is transitional housing. There are people that have hardship cases where they get popped out of their house, either they couldn't make their rent, um, maybe there was an abuse in the family, and so they had to come out of the home. And so we have probably single mothers with kids, and they find themselves basically homeless. The city takes these people, has nothing to do with them, so many times they'll put them in a jail just to hold them overnight until they can do something to help them the next day. And so we decided from this conversation here that we're going to build a house and make it available to the city and say, every time you've got a family in need, call us, we'll put them in our house. And so we want to do that to partner with them. 
And that's going to be exciting because what happens then is we have opportunity to minister to a family. You know, because we're going to show up with groceries. You know, we're going to say, hey, guess what? There's hope for you. We're going to tell them in, in really common language, it's okay to dream again. We're going to say that we know you're down and out right now, but it's not going to be that way forever. And we can give them hope again. So we're excited about that. You know, what's really exciting is the mayor met with Harriet. We started making plans. They called her back and said, hey, we want you to come meet with us again because we have some things we want to show her, show you. And they're taking her on a city tour. Uh, they've gotten all excited about what our church through, through Harriet's meeting with them can do. So we're excited about what God's doing in Wilmington, North Carolina. And if you're ever in the area, come see us. We're having fun. That's all there is to it, following God's purposes. So I want to get to a message today. You know, you're here to hear something from God. I believe I have a word that will strengthen us. I believe I have a word that will help you in everyday life. I like everyday life. One of the things that I, I had the opportunity to do and still do today is work outside of the church. I run a check cashing store at home. And the benefit of that is, is I mingle with everyday life on a consistent basis. It really helps me to get outside of the four walls of the facility that I pastor in. Because, you know, sometimes I can get trapped in the four walls there, and, and all I see are just other Christians. All I see are people, really, that kind of have the same beliefs, the same language, that say the same things. And you know what? I don't see what the real world is like sometimes. I don't know what the pressures are if I stay in the four walls sometimes of what it is to try to volunteer at church and work all day. It's really hard, isn't it, sometimes? And I've learned that from, the, from working outside the church. And so I believe that it's good for us to have practical messages that are going to help you in your everyday life. And so here I am today to help you in your everyday life. And I believe that God has called you to be an influence where you work. I believe God has called you to be an influence in your family be an influence at the grocery store, be an influence in PTAs, be an influence in all the places that you really live. Because you don't live in here. Alright, how much time you spend in here? Two hours a week? Maybe four hours a week? Look, the rest of life is going on, and we better learn how to live it out there. And I believe God's calling you to have a voice in all of the arenas that you live in. To have a voice. Your opinion needs to matter to other people. You see, I'm assuming that your opinion is grounded on biblical principles. Now, I have been under Pastor Baird's ministry for a while, and I know he's teaching some biblical principles. I'm telling you, he is shucking the corn on a regular basis. You all probably cannot even appreciate it if you've been under it for a while, the familiarity of what he speaks out. I go online and listen to his sermons to get fed as well at times. Because he lays it out there. So I know there are biblical principles in your heart. And those principles need to get translated from here, from the pulpit, to where you live and who you're talking to. You need to be an influence in the people around you. I mean, do you think it would be good if your opinion was carefully listened to in maybe a small group Bible study that you're doing at work? Don't you think that would be really powerful if people really were interested in what you had to say? What about if you were to happen to be beside a co-worker and they were struggling through a divorce? Do you think God would want your message of hope delivered to them? See, if you have no influence, then you don't have the ability to speak God's hope into people's lives. 
What about if you were at a youth soccer game and you had just learned that one of the parents beside you had just caught their young son on the internet looking at pornography? Do you think God would want you to have a message of hope for that parent? I think so. See, that's real world stuff, isn't it? Do you think it would be great if your employee, your employer really valued your input? If they said, you have influence here, I want to know what you think. Do you think that would be great? Do you think God would be into that? Do you think God would be interested in your opinion being viewed in local government with the mayor? Do you think it would be great if PTA groups or school boards or, or even if you're in some sort of an industry that your peer groups looked at you and said, there's something about you that is unique and I want to hear what you have to say? We need that. We've got to get past having something to say in here and having something to say out there. You know, you can come in here and carry on with all your Christianese in here and all of us are going to high-five you and think it's great. Nothing changes. They're, you're saved. You're hearing hope. It's out there they need to hear hope. So we've got to learn to take it out here, out there. We're called to be God's mouthpieces. Unfortunately, listen, unfortunately, very few Christians get heard out there. Very few Christians. I'll tell you why. I think because Christians are lacking credibility in the real world. I think we lack credibility. Credibility. You see, here's the point. You've got to be believable before someone's going to believe you. You've got to be believable. So today I'm going to talk to you about being credible. Your credibility will unlock incredible influence in your life. Your credibility will unlock incredible influence in your life. In other words, your credibility will give you great incredibility. You need to be incredible. And you do that by being credible. You have your Bibles with you? You need to open them up. Matthew 21. See, it's always smart to come and preach out of Matthew because everybody can find Matthew. If you're going to preach, you need to preach out of Genesis or Matthew. They can find it with you. If you have Matthew, you want to turn to chapter 21, verse 23. You there? All right, here we go. Talking about credibility. When Jesus returned to the temple and began teaching, the leading priests and elders came up to him and they demanded, by what authority are you doing all these things and who gave you the right? What they were saying was, who gave you the right to be heard, Jesus? You see, Jesus had just finished an a incredible dissertation about faith talking about how, and you can just read a couple verses above that, and he's telling people that if you have faith and do not doubt, that you can move mountains. In other words, the problems in your life through faith can be removed. Now, if Jesus were here today at our sanctuary right now, and if he were hanging out here and he were preaching this message about faith, we would be having a hoedown. You would be saying, preach it on, Jesus! Tell us about how the mountains can get moved out of our life. Give us the Word. Tell us more. We'd be excited to hear it. Well, these Pharisees weren't so excited. 
They weren't so enthusiastic. They weren't encouraging him on. They were saying, who gives you the right? Whose authority do you have? How come you get to come in here and tell us what to do? Let's put it this way. Here's how probably they were doing it. They probably had their fancy little robes on. They probably had their little tassels swinging. They probably could move and really get those tassels going well. And I can tell you, I bet you one of them walked up to Jesus, put his hand on his hip, and he goes, who came in here and made you boss? Who told you that you could come in here and tell us what to do? Can you see them? They probably had their little finger talking to Jesus, telling who said you could come in here and tell us what to do? What they were doing is they were questioning his credibility. They said, where'd you come from? What's your experience? I mean, you remember what it said about uh, from coming from his hometown? They said, well, he's Joseph's son. What does he have to give us? Kind of like I've heard some kids on a playground playing together, and one of the kids says to the other kid, you know, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> right? That's what they were saying. You're not the boss of me. Who gave you the right to speak up around us? They were questioning his credibility. Well, Jesus loves to answer questions back, or loves to answer their questions back with a question. And so he jumped into a parable. Let's jump down, same chapter, verse 28. And this is Jesus' answer to these guys. And these are the, the, the chief priests and the Pharisees hanging out in the temple who think they know it all. And this is what Jesus said to them, verse 28. He says, he says this, but what do you think about this? So he grabbed their attention and said, what do you think about this, guys? He said, a man with two sons told the, other, the older boy, son, go out and work in the people, even in church, without jerking. You can. You can line people up here and say, I'm going to pray for you. Sometimes there's been this old charismatic style that gets into us and we begin to pray. We use words that people can't imagine. And we get the shakedowns and we want to just get all crazy. We want to wave our Bibles over their heads and, and, you know, and run around with your tassels and, and, and look, people are going to think that's crazy at times. Listen, you can have all the power of God and stand before them and say, in the name of Jesus, I believe God can heal your body from the top of your head to the soles of your feet today. I believe it. You believe it. God's big enough to do it without me putting on a show. In Jesus' name, amen. And people's lives get changed. That's credible. Listen, if you show up at work, and you've got a word for your coworker, and you sit down beside them, assuming you got there on time, and you sit down beside them, and you drag out your Bible, and you say, Yes, Jesus, I've got a word for you, and you walk up to them, and you say, Hey, listen what I've got to say. God spoke to me last night for you. Good gracious. Yeah, baby, let me tell you. That guy's going to say, get away from me. Don't let anybody see you near me. You know what? You can accomplish the same thing by walking up and saying, you know, this morning, I was having my quiet time with the Lord, and I just had this thought, and I wanted to share it with you, that maybe in your family, your, your son was having a struggle. And I was just praying for him. Does that make sense to you? Boy, that person's ear is going to perk up. Well, because you act incredible. What the world needs, what we have to say. We have to learn to deliver it in a way they're going to hear it. 
And it comes with credibility. How do you live powerfully? One, you're going to have to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't get drunk on wine, instead be filled by the Spirit. Well, you're going to have to have the Holy Spirit alive and well in you. And, and you probably need to be filled on a regular basis. Every morning you need to sit up and say, God, today, fill me. A good prayer might be, God, put me in awkward situations. Have you ever found yourself in those awkward situations? At work? And you start thinking, is this my time to say it? Am I supposed to deliver that message right now? And yes, is the end. It's awkward. You know what? I found the more awkward the situation, the more I need God. And the more I need God, the better it comes out. Pray to be in awkward situations. Speak power-filled words, but use everyday words to say them. Amen. Why do you need to be credible? Well, recently there was a guy, a friend of ours in our church, and he was telling me that he really wanted to have an opportunity to share the gospel with his boss. He lives, he works for a large company, and he is the, the sales, uh, vice, uh, vice president of sales for their company. He has a great job. And he has recently been promoted there, and he said, I hope that my promotion gets me in a place where I can share the good news with my boss. And he said, here's the thing. He said, they really like me at my place. He said, because every place I've been, my territory has grown. He said, matter of fact, in three years' time, my territory was the only territory that had increases. The rest had decreases. So they promoted me to be over all of the territory so we could create increase. He said, they love me. He said, they think I am all that in a bag of chips. And he said, I know that that is going to give me an opportunity to share the good news because they want to hear what I have to say. Interesting, Pastor Baird shows up two, three weeks ago, looks at him and says, boy, I'm sitting here talking to someone with great influence. I believe God's going to use you in the arena of your work. Oh, this guy's like, whoa, yeah, this is all God. He called me Thursday night. Just this Thursday night before, and I was sitting down at my computer Thursday night, it's about 10.30, and I'm beginning to kind of work through some of my notes here, and he says, calls me up, he says, I had to call you and tell you something. I said, what is it? He said, listen, he said, tonight we're sitting at the table, there's three of us. It wasn't his boss, but three guys. He said, one was a Mormon, I was the other one, the other guy was a guy that's lost. And he said, we'd been having dinner, and he said, the guy looked at me, he didn't look at the other guy, and he said, there's something different about you. He said, I can tell you really believe this faith thing you're talking about. He said, would you please tell me all about it? And he sat telling this guy while the Mormon was listening all about the faith that he had and shared with him. And on the way home, the guy said, hey, can I ride with you instead of the other guy? He said, I have a few more questions to ask. And on the way home, he prayed with that guy on the way home. Listen, God used him because he had credibility in his work. Boy, credibility is important. To that young man that prayed with him that night, his credibility was life-changing. It was eternal-changing for him. That's why you need credibility, because people's lives hang in the balance for it. Credibility. Credibility will give the mayor an opportunity to call you back, won't he? Because he saw credibility. The Pharisees questioned Jesus and said, Who are you to come in here and tell us what to do? Jesus said, I'm Jesus. I have all authority. Paul said, I have credibility to speak it. 
And I say you can have credibility where you work and live. Amen? Amen.